Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to It's a Woke World. Destruction be our lot. We ourselves must be the authors and finishers. It's a world of power, a world of fears, and we work on this to make souvenirs. All the millions of thought and the weakers aside, it's a world world after all. It's a world world after all. It's a world. corporation collapse under both the weight of its own hubris woke policies foreign business interests and general backstabbing of the american people and akana that it used to be the very foundation of at one point i mean disney itself mickey mouse the white gloves it is of a very specific Americana. And now, with its ties to China and many other in- enemies of the American people worldwide, the House of Mouse really is a hostile area. That being said, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm Rose James Masson, and Woke Disney loses $900 million in recent box office flops as liberal agenda being pushed in movies like Lightyear and The Little Mermaid turn off moviegoers. Disney's last eight releases have underperformed compared to, uh, compared to expectations, including Guardians of the Galaxy and the live-action Little Mermaid. Yeah, I didn't even know the fourth little, the fourth Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, and that was like the last movie. I even said on the show that that was the last one I actually cared about seeing before I was kind of done with the Marvel Universe, and I didn't even know it released. Oof. Walt Disney Company, uh, the Walt Disney Company is facing significant financial setbacks with an estimated loss of nearly $900 million. It's almost a billion dollars. I like it. 
after a series of disappointing woke films. Disney's vulner uh, valuable archive has even undergone changes to align with progressive values, including removing offensive imagery from park rides and movies. James Gordon for DailyMail.com. That's right, folks. Disney's very own catering to this tiny, insignificant niche crowd, both for ESG and virtue signaling points, has utterly killed the House of Mouse. And quite frankly, you reap what you fucking sow. The Walt Disney Company is looking at an almost $900 million loss following a series of woke flops at the box office, according to analysis from Valiant Renegade, which aims to look at businesses and financials and financial sides of Hollywood. The last eight studio releases put out by the company have not performed as well as expected. Guardians of the Galaxy and its most recent endeavor a live-action version of The Little Mermaid have failed to meet expectations, while two other recent films, Strange World and Lightyear, were complete failures. Even Disney's valuable archive have seen old characters given progressive makeovers with offensive imagery removed, air quotes around that, around rides and movies. Some conservatives feel the company has gone too far in its woke, uh, what's it, renovation? One important aspect we always discuss here, which is worth reminding everyone about, is that Disney uh, retains exclusive rights to its content after theatrical release, Valiant Renegade explained. Yeah. It's a shame, too, because some of these movies look good, but story-wise, they're bankrupt. Disney no longer licenses... Let's see if I can fix something about this ratio aspect ratio here. That's a little bit better. Disney no longer licenses content, such as Marvel Cinematic Universe, to third-party platforms such as Netflix, Amazon, and therefore has fortified billions of dollars in potential revenue, and also murdered every one of its characters. One of the main reasons why they snapped was not only did they want to, you know, make everything underneath one banner production studio, they also were getting mad that other companies were getting... Credit for doing their characters far better than they were. Like, for example, Sony's version of the Spider-Man movies and the Spider-Universe, even though it's mediocre at best, still is regularly, or at the time, was regularly outperforming Disney. And quite frankly, the Spider-Man movie with, like, Tobey Maguire, Garfield, and uh, whatever the new Spider-Man guy name is, Holland, that guy. With those three in it, and Disney's uh, movie that came out to compete with it completely getting its shit pushed in, really caused the House of Mouse to have a negative reaction to that. So, again, same thing. Disney got mad that the Disney Extended Universe and uh, non-canon, or uh, at the time, canon books were outperforming Disney's own property. Disney made sure that all extended non-canon, uh, non-Disney published canon was no longer canon. Meaning the 45 plus almost 50 years of Disney before Disney, uh, or uh, sorry, let me rephrase this. The near 50 years of Star Wars, comics, extended universe, and lore and all that that had been built up before Disney's ownership of Star Wars was thrown out for petty reasons. Definitely did not explain that very well. Quote, the once evident entertainment company is now struggling 
to find a profit on almost every single film released. Disney's bloated budget for these projects are vastly higher than the uh, competition on average, particularly considering the fact that every single film Disney released comes with blockbuster production price tags, the YouTuber explained Disney would have significantly more revenue if it pursued licensing agreements with major streaming services, but instead the company is featuring its own content exclusively on Disney Plus streaming platform. Again, it's collapsing partially under its own hubris. It means that Hollywood, or that the House of Mouse, is essentially being prepped, uh, propped up by the other profitable businesses, including the theme parks and resorts and ESPN Sports. Hardly, too. This is just an ad. A year of work for a four-minute flight. Isn't that something? <laughs> We're all ready if you are, sir. Well, let's go find out if this... <laughs> yeah, we've got a breach in the perimeter. <laughs> Thank you. Save our strong independent women of color, I saw. Buzz like your mission long. After a full year of being marooned on this planet, our first test flight is a go. Let's get everyone home. Good luck, Captain. More counting on you! Roger that. There's a Your personal companion robot. We're being pursued by a just a massive robot. Oh, but that's not just any David Bowie. That's David Bowie from the Black Eyed Peas. That's a shame. I can provide sleep sounds if you like. I have several options. Summer night, ocean paradise, whale calls. No, no. White noise is fine. Very well. Good night, Socks. Good night, Buzz. I just don't get it, I guess. I remember all the jokes at the time, because again, I didn't really watch this movie. Uh, I remember all the jokes and everyone making fun of it at the time, because it had an animated uh, same-sex kiss scene. And no one, and like, everyone was just mocking it for that. And then China removed the same-sex kissing scene from the movie, and that caused an uproar here. Which again, why is the West perpetually profoundly dumbfounded when they find out that... The, the Eastern market is incredibly xenophobic and hates, like, progressive ideologies. I find that very funny. Anyway. The Little Mermaid has nearly the $500 million worldwide box office milestone, despite a slow start. Its domestic box office total is now $270.2 million, and its foreign tally stands at $229.1 million for a worldwide total of $499.3 million. Still, Disney used to pull in way more than that back in the day. 
The film dropped 21.5% in its fifth weekend, despite losing two, uh, losing 205 theaters for a revised theater count of 3,275. The reviews from the critics at Rotten Tomatoes weren't terribly strong, with a 67% fresh rating, though the audience score is much higher at 94%. The film was controversial. Uh, was con- controversy right from the start? Pardon me. With the casting of 23-year-old black actress Haley Bailey as the title character Ariel, <coughs> the casting led to a wave of racist remarks. I'm I'm sure, claiming her casting wasn't accurate to the character from the original 1989 animated film. 1989. Really? It's that fucking old. My goodness. And voiced by white actress Jody Benson. Here's the thing. There was a numerous issues with the black casting. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was just just a black actress and ra- racist commenters. No, it, it had to do with a lot of things. One, you change her skin color, but you make her have this unnaturally bright red straight hair that a black person just wouldn't have to begin with. Also, you kind of make her scary because you make the entire ocean floor dark and unwelcoming, and she's kind of scary in a lot of the footage where she just kind of emerges from the shadows. So, you know, no, it doesn't have anything to do with it being racist. And again, people are tired of the live-action remakes. People have been bitching about the live-action remakes being an unoriginal, uncreative bore for fucking years. It was cool when it started back in, what, 2010, when it was the... the uh, what was it, Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson or whatever the fuck, and people were like, oh, you know, whatever. And then really want to go back even further, the live-action Jungle Book from, like, 2006, but even then people were like, that's kind of its own thing. We like this enough. But the fact that it just comes out more and more and more. And now, not only that, it, it, another problem people have with it is you can't write original characters who aren't white. You have to ruin white characters by pushing them off second-handedly as black characters, for what fucking reasons? You're so collectively bankrupt, you you can't come up with any original ideas, so you're remaking, reimagine old ideas. And again, I mean, this is sound brutal, but you're just ruining them by making them not white. Same thing as what happened if you took these other characters and changed up their races. Now, if you want to talk about things like James Bond, I don't really care about that. Why? Because it doesn't matter so much. James Bond changing has always been kind of part of his character. Same thing like with the Doctor changing into a, a woman or into a black guy or whatever the fuck. The, the problem isn't that you're changing the Doctor's gender. It's what is your intent behind it. Because again, sure, there are some contexts in which changing the character makes sense. But The Little Mermaid is largely like a Norwegian character. You know, it kind of exists within a particular frame. And with, like, you know how deep you are in the ocean, you wouldn't have much melanin. So you would be like this. Effectively, I mean, she'd be transparent, right? Oh, actually, there was someone else who made that argument that. Sorry, I'm, I'm congested as hell right now. I'm trying not to be gross. But anyway, there's some. I can't remember who it was. Somebody made the argument that she would effectively be transparent if we're being honest. So, no, there's a lot more issues with it than she's just. All racist commenters and the black actress. No, it's like you couldn't give her like any original characters at all. I mean, you had to rework the character, like the rewrite, rework the whole story. So it's not just like a remake of the movie. 
you reread the character, and from everything I've heard and read, because I'm not watching this fucking movie, I don't care. You made it so Eric, or whatever his name is, is like a third character who has no moments of like anything whatsoever. They're all rewritten to make Ariel the absolute victor. Again, that's just from everything I've read and what I've heard. I haven't seen the movie. I have no interest in seeing the movie. The casting led to a wave of moving on. I already read that part. I made mean, film voice by white actress. And again, the the race of the, the voice actor doesn't matter. Same thing I said with the Apu thing back in the day. Like, it just doesn't matter. The voice actor. Don't care. Benson herself defended the casting, revealing in July 2019, the most important thing is to tell the story. Again, yes. If the storytelling was good, people would care less. Now, again, with things like, you know, like Doctor Who and, you know, James Bond changing its role. You know, I want James Bond to be a male. I don't care if it's a black man or an Asian man, a Mexican man. I don't really care. As long as it's a man playing James Bond, I'm content with it. My only rule is that it's a man. I don't really want to see a female James Bond. I'm not going to have interest in watching it. Furthermore, you know, when it comes to Little Mermaid again, retreading ground I just treaded all over earlier. You let know I'm not. I already said it. Benson herself defended the casting movie. Not a quote. And we have as... Uh, we have as a family, we have raised our children and for ourselves that we don't see anything that's different on the outside, Benson added. Such a confusing little comment. The film was produced on a budget of reportedly $250 million, with the reports claiming the film would need to earn $560 million worldwide before turning a profit. Oof. After considering other costs, including the massive marketing spend in other recent films, Lightyear raised one uh, released one year ago with a reported budget of $200 million. Really? It's only been a year since Lightyear came out? God, it feels so much longer ago. $200 million brought in a modest $226.7 million in a worldwide ticket sales and received a decidedly mixed critical reception. By contrast, The Incredibles 2 in 2018, which was reported to have had a similar production budget, had a worldwide box office of $1.2 billion. I don't remember anything about that movie, and I actively saw it in theaters. There's a chick who juggled mugs. I don't remember much else about it. Lightyear could not be shown in 14 Middle Eastern and Asian countries. Well, I was saying earlier... Because of the depiction of the same-sex relationship, that also had an impact on its global box office performance. Yeah. Let's watch this real quick. It's ominous. It's just not whimsical. See, that looks horrifying, man. Come on. Ugh. Again, like, she kind of gives off this vibe of, like, a, uh... Like those Las Vegas restaurant performers. I had to save him. This obsession with humans has to stop. I just want to know more about them. 
Her dad's white. What's her mom look like? I can help you. You can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself. Is that even possible? <laughs> it's what I live for. <laughs> What's her name? Yzma? Not Yzma. Who was it? Yzma's the chick from uh, the, the one with the donkey. Um, it's not a donkey. It's an alpaca. Emperor's new clue. Uh, groove. I will say Ursula looks ish, but most McCarthy McCarthy McCarthy's kind of look like a haggard sea witch for a long time. Something about you seems different. I can't quite figure it out. She got legs, you idiot. Got like a doofy, like alien head going on too. Got kind of like a like a wide gap between her eyes. I don't know. Again, it's just not for me. I don't think it looks very good visually. And like the like, I remember the scene where you just see her hands like grab them and shit. It's a little dark and alarming. Again, it was never targeted towards me to begin with anyway. But let's continue on. In recent years, Disney has become increasingly woke. Under the control of current chief executive Bob Iger, formerly fired and then brought back in the dead of night, Bob Iger, the fucking corpse, has followed the progressive path of many other U.S. corporations. I used to watch this channel called Yesterworld. I'm going to go look back, look them back up, actually. It used to be good. For Disney content, like the history of like the rides and stuff, which is weirdly interesting. Anyway, under the control of Bob Iger, Disney has followed the progressive path of many other U.S. corporations. In 2021, it stopped greeting park visitors as "ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls," replacing that with "dream with dreamers of all ages." Hmm. It has slapped racism warnings on many of its best loved films, including Dumbo, for the for the reckless crow. Yeah, uh, the head crow is named Jim too, and the Lady and the Tramp for the sinister Siamese cats. Really, were they the sinister? I remember. But that's ridiculous. You know, like, I don't know. I never really thought about them in that context as a kid. You you realize it when you get older. But that's like kind of half the fun, right? It reports, uh, it reports it ditched Minnie's polka dot, polka dot dress to be replaced with a Stella McCarthy-designed trouser suit. Oh, boy. And the fairy godmother's mother and Sleeping Beauty that were deemed too exclusionary of men. Trust me, I didn't complain about it. I think many men did. The brand has made numerous steps towards becoming more progressive recently. 
It included a gay kiss between two characters in Lightyear. A new live-action film of Snow White, due out next year, has dispensed with the dwarves to avoid reinforcing stereotypes. I remember, uh, what's that guy from Game of Thrones? Tyrion Lannister, that guy, the little dwarf. He had a big, big, big problem with it. Uh, with them actually using dwarves in it. He didn't want them using dwarves. He got mad about it. Anyway, and we'll have a Latina actress in the title role. Snow White, played by a Latina. My German heritage sees nothing wrong with this. Moving on. The move comes as Disney has laid off 7,000 employees in a cost-cutting move. The cuts are part of Walt Disney Chief Executive Bob Iger's previously announced plan to slash $5.5 billion in costs. The restructuring combines the films and television groups into a single Disney Entertainment unit and eliminates a division charged with distribution. Biger has Iger has been working out to receive Disney streaming businesses while ensuring that stability of their theme parks, but he has also been dealing with efforts by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Zion Ron as I call him, to take over Disney World's theme park district. The feud between DeSantis and Flor uh, DeSantis and Disney The Battle of the D's boys. Started last year after the company in the face of a significant pressure. Publicly uh, opposed legislation concerning a bill that critics called the Don't Say Gay. Which is funny because uh, it's not just critics. It's people who genuinely believe this bill is called the Don't Say Gay Bill. Which it's not. There are people who are dumb enough to actually believe that a propagandistic name for it is what the bill actually is. You could just, call, you could just as easily call it the Don't Say Straight Bill. And it would equally apply. My question is, why did Disney feel such an urge to come out and make a public statement uh, arguing that adults have the right to have conversations about sex without the parents of said kids' knowledge? That is a weird stance for an international multi-billion dollar company to take. Especially a multi-billionaire company who cannot seem to help but have employees arrested for being child sex traffickers, pedophiles, molesters, so on and so forth. Disney seems to have a really un, uh, unparalleled reputation for hiring these fuckers in their parks, predominantly overswamped by children. Then again, Disney adults seem to be a growing... Uh, can I just say right now, Disney adults have a mental illness and probably shouldn't reproduce. That being said, let's move on. The feud between Disney and DeSantis, pressure publicly, pulls legislation, can't remember that. Then Disney boss Bob Chapek pledged to fight the repeal of the law banning schools from teaching 5- to 9-year-olds about sexual orientation and gender identity. As published, DeSantis took over Disney World's governing uh, district through legislation passed by lawmakers and appointed a new, uh, a new board of supervisors. Lol. DeSantis ended a 55-year-old deal that allowed Disney World to govern its vast resorts itself right down to controlling its own water, roads, and emergency services. The deal saved Disney millions of dollars in taxes. The governor said the action was aimed at holding Disney accountable for entertainment he said is inappropriate for children. The corporate kingdom finally comes to an end, he proclaimed. There's a new sheriff in town, 
and accountability will be the order of the day. Before the new board started, Disney pulled a fast one and signed agreements with old board made with an old board made up of Disney supporters that stripped the new supervisors of a desi- of design and construction authority. JPEG was removed as CEO in November of 2020, sparking speculation that the company's commitment to wokeness during his tenure may have been may have led to his ouster. Well, the issue is, I eager Iger, whatever the fuck, is just as bad as everyone else. During JPEG's tenure, Disney Plus domestic subscriber growth collapsed, public approval of the company dropped, and the stock price plummeted. In response, a Republican-controlled Florida legislator passed legislation allowing the DeSantis-appointed board to appeal those agreements and made the theme park resort's monorail system subject of the state's inspection, when it previously had been done in-house. Well, that monorail system hadn't worked properly in 20 years. Iger has vowed to keep challenging DeSantis and his administration. DeSantis, in turn, appears determined to stick to his guns, hoping his anti-woke crusade against Disney World will benefit him politically, and it has. The lawsuit continues in federal court, with DeSantis asking a judge to dismiss the case. And that is the end of this article. Now let's scroll down here. There seems to be a couple comments. Let's check them out. From Ratface Stelter. Oh, what happened? Okay. Uh, GOTG3 was not a part of their losses. Oh, not sure of that. Gardens of the Galaxy 3 was not part of their losses, I assume is what they meant. Trusted source everywhere, Canada says, I think I can think of nothing more wonderful than bringing a woke than bringing a woke Disney to a to its financial knees for pushing a sexual agenda that is harmful to kids. Boycott Disney. Based Night Owl eighty six says, what sexual agenda was that? Be specific. Uh, why should I be specific? I'll let you tell them yourself. Tell I'll, they can tell you themselves. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually, um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child, um, and and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them. Uh, to all of us, we, we had a we had an open forum last week at twentieth, where um, again the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years, where um, one of our execs stood up and said, "You know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content." And hey, I went, you know what I can do? I, you know what I can do? I can jump to the main bitch, and then I can throw this whole thing in in a much higher quality format at the end of the video with our guests in a meaningful of all of the classic that makes it magical and memorable for everyone i love disney's content i grew up watching you know all of the classics they have been a huge like informative part of my life but at the same time like i worked at small studios most of my career and i heard you know hear whispers like i, I heard things like oh you know they won't let you show this at the disney show and i'm like okay so i was a little like sus when i started and, but then my experience was Bafflingly, the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like proud family Disney TVA, um, the show under the super well-known narrative Roberts, and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so 
My not so secret agenda. Forget the shitty audio quality, but there it is. Been so. Let's see if I can find a better version of this. Okay, this appears to be a much better audio quality version of it. And again, I am just going to play these last, these two specific people. And I'm going to throw in this whole seven plus minute video at the end of this video if you want to watch, you know, the entire thing. It's magical and memorable for everyone. I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like... I worked at small studios most of my career, and I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I'd, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at the Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of, like, you know, Proud Family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming. Meredith Roberts and, like, the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda and so like i i feel like i felt like it was i mean like maybe it was that way in the past but i guess like something must have happened in the last like like they were turning it around they're going hard and then all that like momentum that i felt like that sense of i don't have to be afraid to like let's have these two characters kiss let's in the background like i was just Wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Yeah, um, I've had yeah, the privilege um, of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years. So, yeah, um, my uncle put his finger in my asshole and started around and I've been confused ever since. Yeah, um, anyway, Mickey Mouse was out at the time and that's been a lasting childhood memory. And they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And part of, I'm on the production side, uh, part of uh, the work that I feel like I can put in is um, making sure that we take place in modern day New York. So making sure that that's like an accurate reflection of New York. So I put together like a tracker of our background character. Let me just give some advice to all aspiring uh, biological females who want to go through the make-believe process we call transitioning. Uh, check the, uh, status of male pattern baldness in your family before you make any retarded choices, alright? ...to make sure that we have, like, a, the full breadth of expression. And, uh, we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of, like, oh, all of our, like, gender non-conforming characters are in the background. And so it's not just a numbers game, um, of how many LGBTQ plus characters you have. We got... The further, uh, the, the more centered a story is on a character, the more nuanced you get to get into their story. And especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like 
canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. Wow. Again, I will leave a link to this whole video in the description below as well as put it at the end of this video so you can watch the whole thing. Don't know the deal is with this specific upload of this clip. It was a little funky. But that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up here. So what agenda specifically, the same sex agenda being pushed on children? Uh, the general gender confusion that Disney loves to push on children these days. Uh, not only that, they also talk about how they like to target uh, the nuclear family, which is a male and a female, a mom and a dad raising a male or female child. Uh, there's actually quite a, a wide numbers, and a lot of it has to do with their ties to ESG and certain business and stakeholders, as they're called, stakeholder capitalists in China. But I have more to get into today, so that means I'm going to wrap this up here. This has been Inside Four Walls. I have been your host, James Madison, and I shall, uh, shall talk to you guys later. Coverage, but the context is also who is pushing it, what their record is, and what the history is in Florida. You know, you can go back to the to the fifties to the Johns Committee, where the legislature was was actively uh, put together a task force whose whole job was to root out civil rights workers and any homosexuals in the university system. They destroyed lives. Literally, people committed suicide behind the the relentless attack. And then you have Anita Bryant, and many of us are of an age to remember Anita Bryant's Save Our Children campaign, which was premised on the same, the same ideas that undergird this bill. And because of her campaign that equated being gay with being a, a pre child predator, she was able to pass a ban on gay people being able to adopt a marriage ban, and then she took that nationwide. And so when we react to this, a lot of us are reacting from the pain we experienced of being isolated and stigmatized in school. But we're also reacting from the reality that when they can erase you, when they can criminalize your existence, when they can demonize who you are, the next step is to criminalize you and take your kids. And we're already seeing that in Texas. So the slippery slope between these ugly messages, um, you know, emanating from legislative leaders in our state and then amplified by our governor, whose spokesperson immediately began calling everyone who opposed this bill uh, groomers, a.k.a. pedophiles. I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually, um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child, um, and, and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak um, not just for myself, but for them, um, to all of us. We, we, had a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of 
queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and, and, and yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just, just get to be characters um, and, and not have to be about gay stories. And so um, that's been very eye-opening for me. Um, and, and I, I can tell you, um, it's something that I feel perhaps had this moment not happened. Um, I, as a leader and me, as my colleagues would not have focused on and, and going forward, um, I, I certainly will be more so I know that we will be. And, um, and I hope this is a moment where shoot, um, the 50% of the tears, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> are coming. Um, uh, we don't, we just don't allow each other to go back. Last summer, we, we removed all of the um, gendered greetings in relationship to our life skills. So we no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, we, we've trained, we, we've provided training for all of our, our cast members in, in relationship to that. So now they know it's, it's hello everyone or hello friends. We, we are in the process of changing over those, those recorded messages. And so many of you are probably familiar when we brought the fireworks back to the Magic Kingdom. We no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we say dreamers of all ages. And so I love the fact that it's opened up the creativity, the opportunity for our cast members to look at that. We, we have our cast members working with merchandise, working with food and beverage, working with, with all of our guest facing areas where perhaps, you know, we, we want to create that magical moment with our cast members, with our guests. And we don't want to just assume because someone might be um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. So let's think differently about how do we really engage with our guests in a meaningful and inclusive way that makes it magical and memorable for everyone. Like, I love and Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like, I worked at small studios most of my career, and I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of, like, you know, Proud Family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming. Meredith Roberts and, like, the, the our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda and so like i i feel like i felt like it was i mean like maybe it was that way in the past but i guess like something must have happened in the last like like they're turning it around they're going hard and then all that like momentum that i felt like that sense of i don't have to be afraid to like let's have these two characters kiss let's in the background this like i was just wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Yeah, um, I've had the privilege of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years, and they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And part of, I'm on the production side, uh, part of uh, the work that I feel like I can put in is, um, making sure that we take place in modern day New York. So making sure that that's like an accurate reflection of New York. So I put together like a tracker of our background characters to make sure that we have like a, the full breadth of expression. 
And uh, we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of like, oh, all of our like gender non-conforming characters are in the background. And so it's not just a numbers game um, of how many LGBTQ plus characters you have. We got the further, uh, the, the more centered a story is on a character, the more nuanced you get to get into their story. And especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. Hi, welcome to YouTube. Thanks, it's great to be here. I'm just gonna upload my video right now. Let me see it first. Oh, wow, no, you can't post that. Why not? I don't agree with that, nope. Okay, I'm sorry. What are you doing? I'm uploading my video. All right, that's a warning, pal. Dude, you need to relax. Flag! What? Okay, you wanna get crazy? Boom, boom, double flag, there goes your video. Did you just cancel me? All right, I'm gonna be leaving now. Where are you going? To a place where I can't get canceled and they celebrate free speech. <laughs> uh, but in fantasy land. It's not fantasy land, it's called Rumble. Later, pal. Did you need these back? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna need those for the next person. Got you, good luck, buddy. Thanks.